Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. Hello. Today we are carrying on our series working through 1 Thessalonians and today we're looking at chapter 3. What I love about this part of Paul's letter is that even though it's written from a distance, it gives us an example of what life together as disciples can look like. The scene for this chapter, if you will, is set at the end of chapter 2. Paul is wanting and has been trying to get to visit the Thessalonians again and again, but Satan blocked his way. We get a sense of how difficult this separation must be for Paul in the language that he uses to describe the Thessalonians as his hope, his joy, his crown, as Darren was talking about in our previous podcast episode. And this is where we pick up chapter 3. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. We'll pick up the rest of the chapter shortly, but Paul's concern for the church of Thessalonica is obvious here. It's a deep concern. It's born out of his love for them. Timothy is sent when he can stand it no longer. It's a real example to us of how we get to see and treat and be around the people we're discipling. People aren't projects. Paul certainly doesn't give the impression that the Thessalonians are a project of his, not in the language that he uses in chapter 2 and here in chapter 3. When Paul talks about his labours being in vain, it's not just some wasted work time that he's concerned about. He's given so much of himself to these people. He cares about them. He's invested in them. He desperately wants what's best for them, to see them thriving in their faith. So much so that he sends Timothy to them. Now, it's easy to miss the significance of Paul choosing to remain in Athens without Timothy. Athens was not a place that was good for Paul. Acts 17 describes it as a place that greatly distresses him. To remain there alone without his close companion is difficult for Paul, but his love and concern for these new followers of Jesus is stronger than for his desire for personal comfort. So this is a genuine sacrifice that he makes out of concern for his fellow believers to dispatch Timothy on the 300 or so mile journey to visit them. Paul is placing the needs of his fellow disciples above his own to support and encourage them in their faith. Discipleship is costly. It means constantly choosing others ahead of yourself as Jesus does. As Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. We get to do that in lots of different ways. We can do that with our time, with our homes. We can do that with our finances and resources. So it might be small things. So maybe you don't get a chance to watch that thing on telly this week because you've invested time in supporting someone who needs a listening ear and prayer. Maybe it's showing hospitality at your home 
opening up as a place for people to gather and pray within the restrictions obviously maybe it's simple things like doing a bit of shopping for someone when times are tough or cooking meals all these little things these little acts of preferring each other of putting one another first help us grow and shape us as a family on mission so paul makes the decision at a personal cost to send timothy to thessalonica because he's worried that they might have been unsettled by the trials that they're facing there's no detail given about what the, the trials that the Thessalonian disciples are facing are, but while Paul was still with them, we read in Acts 17 that a mob of bad characters from the marketplace rioted in the city against the Thessalonian church, rounded them up and dragged them before the city officials. The Thessalonians then learned early on, what we all find out at some point, that following Jesus isn't the easy option. Paul's concern then is that in his absence and their result in isolation, they might have been tempted away from their faith. See, even though they're a group, they're isolated from the wider body of Christ and the fellowship and the parent-like leadership that they had from Paul. Isolation is never a good thing. Paul's seen it happen before, I'm sure you have as well, when people, what happens when people become isolated Firstly, they become separated from the church and fellow disciples. They become vulnerable to the tempting and tricks and lies of the enemy. And eventually, they fall away from faith completely. Jesus twice describes himself as the good shepherd in John 10. In Luke 12.32, he refers to his followers, us, as his little flock. For me, this is such a useful picture of the church and the reason we gather and do life together. You see, sheep, like most animals, know instinctively that it's safest and best to be together, yet they are notoriously prone to wandering off. And that is when trouble comes. It's not always perfect, granted, but the absolute best place for you to be is safely in the flock of the Good Shepherd. Because as 1 Peter 5.8 warns us, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And it's so much easier for him to do that when people are isolated. As it says in Hebrews 10.25, do not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. These last few months have been tough. We've been apart physically and that's been the right thing to do. But please don't make separation, which can lead to isolation, a habit. I'm not saying this because we'd like to see more seats filled on a Sunday. It's definitely not that. I promise it's because as we emerge from whichever number lockdown this is and the patterns and habits have changed over the last few months, the risk of becoming isolated, of drifting out from the flock of the Good Shepherd is very real. And I desperately don't want to see that happen to anyone. Please, please don't isolate yourself. Please, please don't ignore it when you see other people heading towards isolation. This is Paul's concern for the Thessalonians. So he does what I strongly encourage all of us to do when we see anyone drifting to the edges or becoming isolated. He reaches out to them. He can't go to them himself, so he sends Timothy as a messenger to find out how they are and to encourage and strengthen them in their faith. A message, a Zoom call, a WhatsApp or phone call if you're really old school to check in on each other can make a huge difference. 
You don't have to be a leader to do that, by the way. Don't let yourself or others become isolated. Thankfully, though, in the case of the Thessalonians, Paul's worries aren't what turns out to be happening. We read on in verse 6. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Those first two verses are quite something, aren't they? Good news about your faith and love. We were encouraged about you because of your faith. What a remarkable thing it is that we get to encourage one another in faith, that your faith can be an encouragement to others. I wonder if you've ever thought of yourself that way. One of the real privileges of being a leader at King's Church is that I get to hear and see and share in the stories of what's going on in your lives and what's happening in missional communities and missional households. I get to hear good news about your faith and love and I can honestly say to you King's Church that I'm encouraged by your faith. I'm sure you are as well. I'm sure you can think of people that you know whose faith encourages you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them right now. Get your phone out, pause the podcast if you need to and send them a message telling whoever it is, maybe a few people, that their faith encourages you. I want you to encourage them with that message. And while you're doing that, I just want to point out what Paul doesn't say in verse 7. He doesn't tell the Thessalonians that he's encouraged by how well things appear to be going for them. He doesn't tell them he's encouraged that they seem to have it all together or that they don't seem to need any help or support with anything. He doesn't tell them he's encouraged by how busy they appear to be. What encourages them is what encourages him, sorry, is their faith. I think perhaps sometimes one of the greatest obstacles to faith can be the pressure the world puts us under to project an image. This bizarre idea or perception has crept in that somehow being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, means that we've got everything together. That our family never has any issues, that your work situation is just marvellous. Probably that our house is always tidy as well. And that somehow church has become a place for people who've got it all together, all sorted. Of course, that's never been the case. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us to live by faith and not by sight. I wonder if sometimes we can get so caught up on the sight of how we appear that we miss the importance of being around people who encourage our faith and whose faith encourages us. 
we recently gathered all our missional community and missional household and service area leaders together at King's on a Zoom and I shared what I hope was something that encouraged them in their faith and I want, I want to share a version of it again now. Psalm 3.6 says, I will not fear though tens of thousands assault me on every side. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27 verse 3 says, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then, I will be confident. Psalm 119 verse 61 says, Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. Psalm 138 verses 7 to 8 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord who vindicates me, your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. And lastly, Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and though the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Saviour. I picked those scriptures, uh, and obviously there's others, because of, of one word, though. See, faith means acknowledging our disappointments, our struggles, our setbacks, and all the other aspects of life that aren't what we might hope, uh, and what they, what the, sorry, sorry, all the other aspects of life that aren't what we might hope they were. Though this might be happening, God is still good. Though... This might not have gone to plan. God is still on my side. The problem is we can be tempted towards an if. Our faith can become conditional on results. If God was good, he would. If God was on my side, this or that would be happening. If only we had this, that or the other. The problem with an if is that it places our agenda at the centre and makes our relationship with God and our faith conditional on that. I want to encourage you to have a faith that is not dependent on ifs, but on a faith that is made up of those. There is one if verse I want to share with you, though, and it's 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'm going to talk about prayer shortly but I want to encourage you to have a faith that is full of those and not ifs and to encourage each other with that too there are few conversations that break my heart more than the ones I have with people who feel they need to pull away from church or missional community or household while they get things back together what's tragic about that is that some of the people whose faith has always encouraged me the most are people who really don't have everything together or who are facing serious trials and troubles whose lives are far from perfect but they are just clinging on to Jesus people who see the those not the ifs Jesus says come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest I want to make it really clear that King's Church is not a place where you have to project an image it's a family where we encourage one another in faith and where you are welcome regardless of your circumstances. 
no perfect people allowed isn't just a slogan or a hashtag it's a genuine commitment to be in a place where you are always welcome and will be encouraged in your faith however shaky it might be however far you might feel from god as romans fifteen seventeen says we accept one another then just as christ accepted us in order to bring praise to god I think it's so vitally important that we don't buy into this idea that Christianity is somehow for people who've got it all made because not only is your faith an encouragement to fellow disciples of Jesus, it's a witness to those who don't know him as well. When people who know you or are around you see you living by faith and not by sight, it's an incredible testimony to the power of the gospel in your life and they get a glimpse of what the power of the gospel can look like in theirs. I've said it time and again that the person whose whose story, whose faith will most impact the people around you is yours. Let's be people who encourage each other in and into faith. Moving on, in verse 10, we see that Paul is praying night and day most earnestly for the Thessalonians. Dr. Nick Hardin who leads Kairos Connection and used to lead Frontline Church in Liverpool, says that the heavy lifting of discipleship is done in prayer. Paul is praying not just for the Thessalonians, but for a breakthrough in the circumstances. In this case, his separation from them. Who do you know that needs a breakthrough? Who do you like to see a breakthrough happen for that means they come to know Jesus? Pray for them. We get to pray for each other, pray with each other, pray for each other's families, friends, workplaces. How often do you pray for the people in your mission or community or household or your family or the people you're discipling and want to see come to faith? Paul prayed night and day. I know the temptation here is to think, well, that's okay for Paul, but I've got work and family stuff and the house to tidy, etc., etc. And if we're not careful, we can make ourselves too busy to pray. Uh, That's never a good idea, but it's not as if Paul wasn't also busy. Skip back to chapter 2, verse 9, and he says this, Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Paul worked. His profession was as a tent maker and he also went about the business of the gospel night and day. And yet he still prayed for the Thessalonians and other churches of his time, other disciples as well too, night and day. We can too, if we're willing to find, and it will take time and effort, a balance between our life and prayer life to build time for prayer into our day and to take opportunities for prayer as they come our way too let me give you some personal examples although this is by no means to say that this is what we should we all should do or that i in any way have it all sussed out probably the best example i can give you of structured prayer time in our household is the way that each day me and julie pray with our two kids Um, Because frankly, they have the most structured lives in our house. We pray with them at mealtimes. We pray with them at bedtime. And I pray with them in the morning in the car before I drop them off for school. Night and day, prayer is built into our lives together. Then there are opportunities to pray that come our way too. Maybe it's via WhatsApp prayer requests. 
uh, as some of you will know, I'm I'm pretty terrible at replying to messages sometimes. But if I get a prayer request via WhatsApp or via message or however it is, I always pray there and then when I receive it. Being asked to pray for someone is important and it's a precious thing and I don't want to forget to do it. So when people ask me to pray and I would encourage you to do the same, please pray for them there and then. Please don't just put the little praying hands emoji in WhatsApp. Pray for people. The other day, I went for my first COVID vaccine and I know the questions that you're all going to ask. So it was the Moderna one. And yeah, I felt really rough for about 24 hours afterwards. And after it, you have to wait 15 minutes in a special seating area. And everybody else in the seating area there was completely head buried in their phones. Uh, I decided that I was going to use my time to pray. And yeah, a few emails didn't get answered as quickly as they could have done for sure but it was far better use of my time to talk to god so we pray for each other and i'm going to encourage you to send another message now think of someone or maybe a few people who you know that need prayer or would be encouraged to know that you're praying for them and send them a message telling them you're going to pray for them this week perhaps ask if there's anything that they'd like prayer for There's something so wonderfully encouraging about knowing that someone is praying for you, isn't there? Lastly, in verse 12, Paul says this, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Our love for one another, which takes the form and shape of some of the things that I've been talking about, is what distinguishes us as disciples of Jesus. In John's Gospel, Jesus tells us, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. In chapter 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. Chapter 15, verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And in chapter 15, verse 17, this is my command love each other it's a bit more than a subtle hint isn't it just like our faith is an encouragement to fellow disciples and a witness to those who don't know jesus so is the way we love one another and this is agape the greek word agape love that paul and jesus are both referring to here the love we get to show one another and to show the world that echoes and demonstrates and is motivated by jesus's love for us I know there are times when it can be difficult. In fact, on our own, it would be impossible to love like that. But we love because Jesus loved us first. And it's from his love, by his strength, that we get to share that love with the world through prayer, through encouraging one one another, not in isolation. The world seems to think it knows about love. We get to show and demonstrate what real love is the love of christ looks like have a fantastic week god bless you we hope you enjoyed this message to find out more about king's church warrington visit our website or find us on facebook and instagram